3: Oh.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, go here. You right? <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. You all right? Come on. Come on. Let's get back Charlie's to the tent. Charlie, it's all right, Charlie. Oh. Go <laughs> okay. all right, let's get back to the tent. Is she okay? Yeah, let me help. Let hey, hey, me put that boat, Charlie. Hey, yeah, I'll take it. Where are you going? Hey, how did you know? How did you know she was drowning? I'll tell you how he knew. That guy sees the future, dude.
1: podcast here on Puher recaps it's down the hatch. Uh, I'm Josh Wigler. I'm joined here by Mike Bloom. We're just tripping through time as we are talking about flashes before your eyes, the second ever Desmond Hume flashback episode, the first of season three, Mike, and uh, pretty decisively, just to spoil it according to the rankings. This is the king of season three so far by far.
0: I mean, uh, maybe some slim pickings, maybe some serfs more so than royalty in the court. I mean, Josh, let me come right out of the gate with uh, maybe a scorching take here. I don't know how you feel. Flashes before your eyes upon this rewatch is my favorite episode I've rewatched since Exodus over Whoa. the course of this podcast. Oh,
1: since Exodus. I thought that you were going to say uh, just like general.
0: No, I mean, Exodus is always going to be in my immaculate, untouchable tier. But I think, you know, there are certainly episodes that I've loved. Two for the Road and Lockdown are the two off the top of my head that I would put in that tier right below. But we'll talk about it. Just reinvestigating the storytelling device that frames flashes before your eyes and just the both thematic and... And sci-fi elements that are going to become so consequential to not only the ca- the character of Desmond, but the series at large. Yeah, it's, it's truly incredible. We're really watching, you know, a prologue to a much, much longer main book uh, coming up over the next couple of years. But man, I had such a great time going over this episode. I, I do feel like, you know, a lot of love is given to the constant, but I can understand why your friend and my joke are fine. This is her favorite episode, because yeah. I, I do think this is one of the, this was the the lead up to the plane taking off off that runway that was built by Kate and Sawyer uh, that, that needed to exist and sort of gets shrugged off in lieu of the sequel, which is much more acclaimed.
1: Yeah, no, this is, uh, it's an excellent episode of the show, Uh, again, just to spoil it, because what's the point of not? It's, you know, it's going to be a 4.2 for me. We're
0: jumping forward in time to give our
1: ratings. Should we just hop around all over the structure of a, a Down the Hatch episode this week?
0: I mean, we always do. I feel like every week I say not to get too far ahead into the ratings of it all. So I feel like I've been living in that time or lack thereof it is, for, it for is a while. Like
1: a staggering amount of 4.2s in the ratings. There's 4.2 from me, from Mike, so that's already going to weight it very heavily. But I'm beyond that counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 additional 4.2s uh, for for this episode and it's going to give it a 4.16 overall which is not only going to be lights out the the top episode of season 3 so far but it is um in the conversation for the best episodes of the whole show. I think yeah. Exodus is our uh, current front runner at 4.18. Um, and then the pilot is also a 4.16 uh, and walkabout is a 4.159 so wow. flash w- before your eyes is uh, flashing in front of uh, <laughs> of walkabout Desmond uh, walked
0: in, took out John Locke's <laughs> legs and left him sprawling I on the ground I you were going to say,
1: Desmond took off his clothes uh, and he was flashing us all, uh, but no, this is a crazy episode of the show, it is our first, uh, as the great Ben behind the curtain calls it, our first timey wimey episode, this is our <laughs> (laughs) we
0: get real wibbly wobbly in this you know
1: we're getting into our time travel bullshit here which i love uh i know it's not for everyone it is incredibly for me i think that the show does it in such a great way and i know that there are some questions about like how do the desmond time travel experiences fit alongside the shows otherwise relatively i would say like um, certainly very elegant time travel rules of whatever happened, happened. Right, so which, which, that
0: they, which to for those of them might not remember, that's what they really develop in season five, which is all centered around time travel, particularly through the, uh, the sort of analog of Daniel Faraday is the one to specifically say... Mm-hmm hey, we can't change the past to change the future. Um, Fortunately, I think his death maybe sort of stymies that idea, which leads to the incident of it all. But yeah, I mean, he quite literally vocalizes whatever happened, happened. No matter what we do, the same events that played out in the past are going to continue to play out no matter how much we try to meddle in it.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, since we're talking about a time travel episode for the first time, we really ought to spend some time on it. Yeah, the rules are whatever happened, happened. Um, You know, Mike Bloom and I could get zapped back into the 1970s and we could do some stuff that was very important in the 1970s that would have a great impact on our current lives today in 2020 because that's how it always was. It's not because we're changing a thing uh, and we could die in the 70s if we got zapped back to I, the 70s. We probably would die in the 70s to be quite honest. I don't honest. think I'd watched, make i make it very far. I've watched
0: Taxi Driver
1: enough. <laughs>
0: what would hap would you get? Uh, I'm that's assuming the one that's with what the uh, 70s Jimmy Fallon like. and
1: Queen Latifah, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Where uh, Listen, I (laughs) I don't know how I would do in that really rough-and-tumble taxi (laughs) taxi Mm taxis of it all, especially living in New York City, so I would not survive a
1: day in that universe. The smoke monster kind of sounds like a taxi, so yeah, I don't think we would do great, but those are the time travel rules and then there's the Desmond stuff uh, where Desmond is supposedly this guy who has a unique relationship with time and space. He has this, um, whether you want to call it this electromagnetic superpower or even this, like, electro magnetic uh anomaly quality mm-hmm. to him. Uh, and here in Flashes Before Your Eyes, I think on the on the first blush you're inclined to think that this is like Desmond zapping back and like changing his past because he knows about the stuff from the island now And, and, and this is a different type
0: of time travel though
1: because usually time travel is like well
0: you know josh and i don't exist in the 70s but we're gonna go back there and still exist in that timeline even though we have yet to be born this is a unique one where almost you know like the quantum leap desmond is zapping back into a version of himself so it's not like he's appearing in, like, medieval times. So who knows? Maybe if Lost did go on to, into season 10, that would happen. But this and The Constant are going to be versions of Desmond jumping back to a previous version of Desmond. Um,
1: I firmly believe that the events of Flashes Before Your Eyes do fall under the whatever happened, happened logic. Um My feeling is that Desmond's unique relationship with time and space is what allows him to like basically have his consciousness transfer back in time um, that we see that happen in the constant with him you know bouncing back and forth between mm-hmm. two different time periods where he is having moments in the present and moments in the past we see that happen to other characters beyond just Desmond like Minkowski uh, and he ends up having like a you know a very fatal relationship with that anomaly um, with Desmond he doesn't uh, so I think with with Desmond the uniqueness comes from uh, you know however you want to assign it whether it's because he he spent so much time around the electromagnetic energy of the hatch that he was right there and got a face full of the stuff when he <laughs> turned the key um the fact that if whatever happened always happened then what happened to him in flashes before your eyes and all of the events that are happening to him in london must have happened anyway um but i think that it i think that it really works and i and i think like the reason why the Desmond of the past is only able to like, kind of like half remember things, he's, he got like, he got concussed. You know, he got concussed on like two different, like two or three different occasions in this episode. He he gets concussed when he falls off the ladder. He gets concussed when he gets hit with the cricket bat. He gets probably ruthlessly concussed when he is, you know, part of whatever hatch explosion that's going on. And I, I think like the Eloise Hawking weirdness that you see in here, I think can be described as very much in line with, like, the other tactics tactics uh, that we see. Like, a lot of those, like, psychological tactics that are going on there. So I, I do think that this episode fits with the show's rules of time travel and allows Desmond to sort of be a unique player within that rule set. But I don't think that, like, what we see in Flashes Before Your Eyes, that, like, Desmond's changing anything. I think Desmond's life is punctuated By these odd moments, Uh, like everything that happens in the constant, I think, is part of his history. I think everything that happens here in Flashes Before Your Eyes is part of his history as well.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to chew on that a bit because, I mean, there are certain things like the picture changing, for instance, that might betray that theory a bit uh, just because you would argue if that picture got taken in that certain form in the past, it would, it would exist in the present in that regard. So you're saying that... This episode, when Desmond has a flashback, it's just him literally having a flashback inside his head, like everybody else of these past no, moments.
1: No, no, I'm definitely saying that he is go. His consciousness is being zapped back in time, and all of that is happening. That that is actively taking the Desmond who has turned the failsafe key and plugging that guy's consciousness into the body that he is occupying at this moment in time, when he has just moved into a flat in London with Penny but all of that had already happened, because gotcha. he's stuck in this loop. So, in ni- so in ni- yes.
0: previously in 1996, he, he had had that run-in with Eloise, yes. he broke up with Penny like that, yes. and he just maybe misremember things or remember things slightly different, so that when he got knocked back, despite him trying his best, he was still playing out the he's same con- events again.
1: He's concussed, he half-remembers things, he doesn't remember things all the way, uh, there's like, you know, the, the, the feelings of cowardice that are really associated with him are being, like, trotted out as very big powerful words surrounding these events i think that there is a lot of like half remembered stuff going on with desmond here but yeah i think it all always happened and i and i think that like this loop that Desmond is in here that he moves on from past this episode, but this loop that always happens where Desmond turns the key and part of him goes back in time and has this relationship with Penny that he severs that sends him on that course to go to the Island and turn the failsafe key. And then he goes back in time and then he severs his relationship right. with Penny. And then die repeat. Go- yes, exactly. Like I think that that is absolutely what's going on. And I think that that does play fully, fairly with the whatever happened, happened stuff. It's just that Desmond's experience of that is different than what we see. It's like, you know, his his essence, his consciousness, his whatever, zapping back into an earlier version of himself is different than what we see with time travel in the show where people are really, like, physically moving through time and space.
0: Yeah, we'll put a pin in that, because I definitely, I think especially compared to the first Desmond flashback in Live Together, Die Alone, and sort of the circumstances we get from the Desmond, because I think the smoking gun here is the Desmond-Penny relationship. And how much does that breakup scene inform, you know, the scene at the Tour de Stade that we see in Live Together Die Alone, how much does that scan? Because if it seems like those two scenes match up, then yeah, it would make sense that Desmond does break up with Penny, and that sort of continues that, that timeline, like you said. My personal view of time travel is, oddly enough, you know, I'm watching season two of The Flash right now on The CW, which deals heavily in time travel, so admittedly, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it for the next couple of minutes. So if for some reason you want to watch that show at
1: some point in time and you you haven't haven't yet or you haven't gotten to the flash yet then maybe fast forward like what like two minutes three minutes the,
0: the flash is before your eyes of it all um so i personally believe that in a person specific timeline there are things known as micro events and macro events where macro events are big landmark moments you know obviously like the fact that someone's going to die uh, as as we'll see in this episode or you know certain pivotal moments in someone's life that then need to exist in order to inform the person that they are and in between those landmarks there are micro moments i would say consider that like the streets you would take to get to a destination, right? Like you can plug a destination into your GPS and you can take any number of paths to get there. But no matter what, that GPS is going to take you to that destination. And when we get to this idea of the path that Eloise is going to talk about later on in this episode, my personal belief is that Desmond did go back and was able to subtly change things, whether it was, you know, him getting hit with the cricket bat or the photo being, you know, slightly different. It just wasn't able to have a major effect on these major facets of his life. As was said in eleven twenty two sixty three, the past is obdurate. Daniel Faraday sort of refers to it there, too, with whatever happened happened, that again, there are these macro events that almost serve as magnets in their own regard that you're going to be drawn to no matter what you do. It's, it's inevitability. And the reason I bring up The Flash is because... You know, that also brings up a question of, wait a minute, if you go back and travel in time, like, doesn't that send you onto another timeline? And how does that affect the present that we're seeing? There's an episode of The Flash where Barry Allen goes back in time about a year to the events of season one. And he makes sure to still have the macro events, uh, you know, take place, basically the events at the end of season one, and makes sure not to impede in the timeline a lot. That being said, he still impedes in, in the timeline uh, to the point where there is a, a character, uh, Hartley Rathaway, who I believe is a Pied Piper, is his evil villain name, and he was a big villain in season one. And the, through the events of Barry going back in time, he comes back to the present and everything is pretty much the same, except Hartley Rathaway is now a good guy and on their side because of what Barry Allen did that day. And that to me is an example of like, if you change a micro event you stay on that same timeline. You're not going to come back and everyone's going to have donuts for heads or three hands or something because of, of you know, the, the fly that you swatted back then. But if you had changed something hugely significant, that could send things off in a particularly different direction. Possibly, you know, ending things, ending the world, or putting someone on a path where they end up causing the end of the world, as Eloise is talking about. So I, I definitely I guess it's a sort of like a partial warping of your theory, but it's something that I've definitely been chewing over the past few weeks since I watched that episode. That I I agree that I think Desmond's traveling back in time here, but I personally think that he was able to make these changes. It's just that the lesson is like whatever happened, happened. With an asterisk, and the asterisk is like, well, the major plot points are still going to have to be hit no matter what, but there are certain details that you could change that really have no effect on how things play out the rest of the time.
1: What's the subtle difference in the in the photo that you're that you're talking about?
0: I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure she doesn't have her head resting on his shoulder the first time we see the picture. I'm going to pull it up right I, I, now. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like. I feel like maybe we've gone over this or maybe I'm having like one of those uh, Mandela effect moments of of remembering something that we haven't actually talked about, but uh, remembering that like uh, they just had to like redo the photo, basically, that they yeah. had to redo the Desmond and Penny photo to like make it fit more in continuity. So I'm I'm not I I have not really considered that as like butterfly effect type stuff. I've just always considered that the photo that's taken in flashes before your eyes that we see in multiple other points throughout Lost is the photo. Um, And that's the one. Uh, That's the photo that that we see uh that that is the you know the desmond yeah, and they, penny they, photo takes place during the breakup well and, to the
0: point where actually i believe it wasn't the first time we saw the desmond penny photo like it was the wrong person uh when we saw it in the beginning of season two so yeah this photo has had a day but yeah actually i'm looking at a picture at pinterest.com that compares the two photos the top is the shot from flashes before your eyes and the bottom is the picture outright and yeah you could see there's subtle differences like uh penny is more leaned into desmond's neck desmond's wearing a different shirt desmond's hair is different desmond's giving a different smile so i mean you could take it as just a production difference or we could just take it as the the official picture taken in this is canon and we don't need to worry about any sort of minor differences in the timeline
1: I think that the fun thing about Desmond as a character, though, is that he he's an avatar. And I think one of the reasons why he's he's so beloved is he's an avatar for like these types of debates that you could still have around Lost, uh, where like you could see it your way or you could see it another way. And it would be, you know, you'd be arguing for a long time and like circling the drain of, of how did this all work for a long time without getting any real resolution. Uh, but like in in a way that is that is really fun to do, like in a way that isn't like maddening, at least not for me like in a way that's like very pleasurable and satisfying uh and i think that the, the fact that like desmond is a character who either like defies the rules or transcends the rules or at least has an unusual relationship to the rules i think is a big piece of what makes him a really really fun player on the board
0: Well the thing is one of the reasons why i love this episode too is that this is a rule-breaking episode in so many ways. You know, a lot of praise gets lauded onto through the looking glass with what it does with its flashbacks. But I'm going to beat the drum again and say that Flashes Before Your Eyes kind of did it first in unconventional storytelling. Maybe it doesn't help that it's sort of just like sandwiched in the middle here in the first third of season three. But I cannot say enough how impressed I was by this episode because. Man, we talk all the time about Darlton taking swings. They took a huge swing here. Big I mean, swing. Save for 10 minutes at the beginning and 3 minutes at the end. The entire episode takes place within this weird time-travel-y flashback structure. And it nails it. And it, it really introduces, you know, characters we really don't know about. We really don't know much about Desmond, despite having a flashback episode about him. And now we're really introduced to him, but in a completely different view. Where, to your point, he is sort of this analog Going through this with us, like holy crap! I jump back in time. I think. Let me see what happens. Introducing a bunch more characters, pumping up other characters like Charles Widmore. There is a lot on this plate, but it is a delicious, delicious dish.
1: I like eating the dish. Big fan of the dish. Let's dive in. Uh, we begin with a you know a, a shot of of Desmond, um, but really the main action does begin. With Charlie and Hurley ransacking Sawyer's tent, having a little bit of a debate over whether or not this is ethical.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. This episode with the you know the quote unquote main three gone in Kate Sawyer and Jack. It's interesting to see that Desmond, especially immediately with saving Claire, is going to take on some Jack-like tendencies, and Charlie's going to be a kind of like a squirrely Sawyer here, right? Where like he is sort of taking on the lawlessness. Altruistic or not uh, non-altruistic of like, hey, you know what? He did it to us first, and he's still hoarding stuff. I guess this also answers the question of like, post the long con slash Sawyer getting his pants pulled down by Jack in the poker game, like what really happened to the stash outside of the guns of it all? I guess Sawyer still sort of hung on to it. Maybe everyone was so distracted by the pallet drop, but it it looks like season one Sawyer was still around a bit in that he was hoarding a bunch of stuff, including a bunch of nudie mags
1: nudie magazine day uh, and there's also some more of those uh, those cookies and cream sandwiches oh god uh, so. I'm
0: surprised he didn't tear through them maybe, <laughs> maybe he put all the sandy cookies back into the bag for a rainy day
1: Uh, Desmond comes and fetches Charlie and Hurley to bring them to the jungle where John Locke, without any delicateness at all, just delivers the news. Echo is dead. Uh, (laughs) At least
0: least in this case, Nikki and Paulo have finally been dismissed from their very, very awkward place in the Echo funeral group. They got like promptly sent to the bench, as it were, to probably go have sex in Jack's tent again.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're really not going to have much to do again until they die. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really trying to think of like how many episodes are they even in before mm. expose at this point.
0: I'm trying to think, yeah, because you know maybe it was the fact that through that three month hiatus they basically heard the thumbs down across the world. Well, they, on they, and they Paulo. say
1: they say that they felt it. In the writer's room, like they felt it in the writing that this was not working, that this was not, uh, you know, a series of characters that were working out for them. And they knew that they couldn't just like write them off and not explain where they went, that they actually like would have to go as far as effectively like crafting an episode to outright apologize for their, for their existence. So we are, we are gonna see. Nikki next. Uh, so we haven't seen her since I do. She's right. not in Not in Portland. She's not in Flashes Before Your Eyes. She's not going to be in next week in Stranger in a Strange Land. So that's one merit in Stranger in a Strange Land's <laughs> favor. Uh, she will be in Trisha Tanaka yeah, is dead. She, I
0: believe it looks like uh, basically Paulo is going to be once again poo poo Paulo again and turn down the Dharma van thing. And Nikki's going to once again show enthusiasm for it.
1: Yeah, and she'll be in Enter Seven Seven as well, and then it's Exposé. So, we're you know, y- you remember Nikki and Paolo as being, like, these obscenely awful characters, and it's really just that they're in a decent amount of that batch of, like, first six episodes of Island stuff, and they, the fact that I think that they are present for the Mr. Echo uh, demise and funeral is like, you two don't deserve to be here. <laughs> uh, and I think that that's where a lot of the ire comes from, because other than that... They're in a few scenes, they suck, but they're not, like, massively all over Lost.
0: Well, and I think it also makes sense, given their absence here, because Locke essentially got Desmond to bring Hurley and Charlie here, because they're essentially, like, going to serve as the react bros for the Gawkers at large, where, Echo, where Locke, you know, as you said, puts it very bluntly, Echo's dead, the island killed him. I love Charlie's indignant response of, what do you mean the island killed him? Spoiler alert, I, I don't think this is actually a great Charlie episode, but I do like his reaction here. Uh, but Locke basically says, like, hey, the only reason why you guys know is because everyone's going to be freaking out, and you guys are, you know, basically going to be the emotional moral compass and help calm everybody down in that case.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to keep everybody calm, um, but calm is hard to come by considering the fact that Desmond's getting twitchy. Desmond's starting to tweak out, and Hurley, who's already suspecting Desmond of harboring some secret superpowers uh is gonna be watching him like a hawk like a hurly bird. uh and desmond is gonna take off like a bat out of hell uh because he's hearing something in the jungle and one of the things that i really love about henry m cusick as desmond is how when he runs he often just flails like a muppet yeah. uh he's he's flailing in full Kermit oh no Des-
0: desmond essentially like i You know, it's it's sad that in uh, in the end we see Desmond and Vincent on the screen at the same time because Desmond is a dog (laughs) in kind of (laughs) so many ways, like between his running. His loyalty, his sort of like single track mind with certain things. Like, he really does have a dog like behavior. And I think that's why he is also such a beloved character in part, is because his characteristics are just like so lovable in that regard.
1: Very good boy, right? As Desmond's yeah. gonna, he's running out so that he can save Claire, uh, who is, you know, about to drown in the ocean. But he's not there specifically to save Claire. He's there specifically to save Charlie, which just leads you to wonder that if Desmond didn't intercede, who was going to save Claire or does he not just really care about Claire?
0: Yeah. Or I guess that means like you know Charlie sure. maybe he was wise then to try to not save Joanna back in season one because maybe he would have drowned then too. He you know we'll, we'll get there. Charlie's swimming prowess, prowess later on, but I guess when it comes to lifeguarding, Charlie's doesn't have all that.
1: Yeah, but Charlie's gonna be very like, how did you know? How did you know she was drowning? And Hurley has the great line of, I'll tell you how you know how he knew that guy. He the future, dude.
0: I also uh. love there's a lot of awkwardness going on, which in, ret- in retrospect, you understand, right? Like Desmond doesn't even want Charlie to touch Claire. And it's not because of the John Locke, like territorial aspect that Charlie is going to think. It's more so like, I don't want to jinx you, man. I'm trying to help you out here. And who knows? Yeah, maybe a sea urchin jumps onto you and stings you <laughs> and you die as a result. But Charlie is so trying to get involved that there's this really like awkward shot of, uh, you know, Desmond carrying Claire fireman style onto the beach. And Charlie like awkwardly holding onto her foot to be like, I've got this too. I'm helping as well. It's a little remnant of season two, Charlie. and You, you do feel for him a bit because. He really cares for Claire, and he has no idea what's going on here. But I did feel for Charlie a bit yeah. with just him trying to awkwardly pitch in on Desmond's single-handed job here.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's trying to be involved. Uh, so Desmond sees the future. Desmond and Claire are going to have a quick conversation where Claire is like seemingly doing like a lot better really pretty much immediately after that whole thing uh desmond is uh is staring at his his picture of penny claire's thinking about the picture of penny claire, uh, claire's asking about penny and desmond you know talks about uh this is penelope she's penny and and charlie shows up uh he's very mad that claire has been gone for longer than five minutes uh it's back to being like kind of indignant yeah, I told you, season
0: two charlie comes, uh, comes a back bit. a bit in this episode
1: Little bit. Uh, Charlie and Hurley are going to go for a little bit of a walk, and Hurley's like trying to convince it Charlie that yeah, Desmond sees the future, man. That guy can predict the future. Charlie says if he could see the future, that he wouldn't have come here, uh, which is a decent point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, he sees future as like he sees every single thing that's going to happen always rather than what we're going to find out about Desmond, which is literal flashes of things that may even happen. Uh, So it's it's not necessarily he has a history book that's able to show what happens when it's more so random happenstance things pop up that might happen as soon as like 30 seconds from now and as long as like maybe two weeks from now.
1: Hurley and Charlie are going to go to Desmond. They've got a plan. They're going to get them wasted. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna booze him up and pry the truth out of him that way because they've seen him stone cold drunk before. That's how he showed up in everybody's lives. So like this guy loves to drink. We've got Sawyer's stash. We're gonna hook him up. And Desmond at first is like, "Come on, guys, it's it's not a thing we need to do. You really don't hey, do need." You, do to Do you thank not remember me. when I was just
0: like laid out suicidal, housing all this wine like two weeks ago? I'm good.
1: I'm like I'm, I'm, fine. I'm sobering up now. I've had my fill. But then he sees what the drink is. McCutcheon. And Desmond starts laughing like a crazy person. Where where so
0: where are we assuming McCutcheon came from? So I guess was this from the hash? that Sawyer was this did this happen to be on the plane in like the first class ritzy drink cart that Sawyer? No, because the, the airplane bottles uh were the ones that Sawyer was using. Where did the McCutcheon come from? Because as Charles Whitmore is going to talk about, it's quite a hoity piece of alcohol there.
1: Um, well, if Charles Whitmore spent so much time on the island, um, it's not impossible that he had his own secret stash of McCutcheon somewhere. And Vincent, much like he sniffed out the the heroin-packed Virgin Marys, maybe he sniffed out the stash of McCutcheon-packed Virgin Mary statues that Charles Whitmore had hidden somewhere. Ooh, I love and that. He brought him to Sawyer.
0: You know what? Maybe it was the Black Rock. They're like, "Well, crashed <laughs> plane is drugs, yeah. crashed boat is alcohol." Yeah,
1: dynamite and booze. Right. Uh, it makes sense.
0: It's like also like a very much nautical theme, sort of like the the darker liquors with Admiral
1: it. McCutcheon, Right. You know, yeah. he was you know it's maybe right he was the, board, the Black Rock. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: So uh, Winmore technically could have led them to the Black Rock if he was there instead yeah. of Danielle Rousseau. He knows it very well. That's he where knows where it very I, well. That's He's where I stole my hooch.
1: Yeah. That's where he uh, he he sings. He drinks and he sings. Uh, uh, Girls with one leg and all of that good stuff <laughs> you know that hit song uh, <laughs> girls with one leg uh, yeah. drive shaft's gonna cover it um cracks up when he sees the mccutcheon uh and charlie's like gonna offer him a glass and he doesn't want the glass if you came here to drink let's drink he just wants the bottle <laughs> and i timed this mike he t- he's chugging a bottle of mccutcheon whiskey for a hard five seconds
0: yeah and we're not talking like we're not talking you know fake like glug 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 like Henry and Cusack is also I always admire the chugging ability when actors whether it be you know John Belushi in Animal House or Tina Fey eating an entire sandwich in 30 Rock but him committing to chugging this whiskey for five seconds straight is is an art in its
1: own way I I mean it's there's zero chance I mean no it's not real whiskey
0: whiskey. but I just say in general like drinking or eating things in excess on camera I do feel like takes a lot of commitment
1: yeah I hope it wasn't uh, too many takes that he had to do but he's like straight up chugging uh a, a whiskey bottle filled with like apple juice
0: yeah so what do you think that is do you think it's a matter of him being like well i finally get this opportunity to drink something that's been deprived of me for so long yeah. is this more symbolic to him of like i got my honor back both. charles
1: winmore screw you both are probably also like the recency of the flashes before your eyes events are very fresh on his mind so mccutcheon is like incredibly fresh on his mind at the moment
0: Yeah, I guess that's true as well of like, oh, this is interesting. And maybe that was also a sign to him of like everything is connected, right? And that him coming to the island didn't
1: mean that it was all worth it. Yeah. So as as these things often go, Mike, the drinking starts out very fun and then it plummets. Uh, Let's listen in sound number one.
2: She swore like a docker With a cracking set of knockers She was only the farmer's daughter <laughs> Hey, the only
0: songs about Drinking and fighting and girls with one leg?
2: Wow, girls with one, one leg, leg and a, and a heart, heart of gold, gold. <laughs> <laughs> So, Desi Let me ask you something Anything, pal hmm. How'd you know Claire was drowning? <laughs> I can hear her calling for help I know you did You're like a mile away (laughs) Well I suppose I've got good hearing You uh hear the lightning as well Excuse me The lightning Just by chance you pitch your little rod Outside Claire's tent Two hours later, lightning
3: strikes.
2: (sighs) Thanks for the drink, pal. Hey, I don't know what you're doing. You best tell us. Oi! Is think because you turned some key that makes you a hero? No hero, brother. I don't know how you're doing, what it is you're doing, but I know a coward when I see one.
1: You don't want to know
3: what
0: happened
1: to me! I don't got I yeah. don't want to know! Get him off. You don't want to know! Yeah, Charlie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Great I mean, scene. I mean, very funny. Uh the the just the singing and like I imagine like Hurley, like this is some measure of culture shock that's happening for him as Desmond and Charlie both are just like connecting over uh their shared experiences in the uk because yeah, we haven't really had that before
0: right we had like mm-hmm. sort of like non-american british territories bonding in charlie and claire with the uk and australia but this is the first time we have you know charlie interacting with another character from the uk that's not his brother
1: yeah, this is really fun, really, really fun, and especially because these two characters are going to be so linked this season um, that uh, to get them really connecting at the start of this scene is is super, super fun. But yeah, then Charlie has the unmitigated gall uh, to call anyone a coward after some of the things that he has done. Yeah, uh, and is, you can tell you know, like
0: it's he's purposely poking the bear, right? And I don't think he did it in a way that like he thought he was going to get choked. They were going to choke the Charlie after that. But I I think that he certainly was like, I think he knew that, and maybe this was also speaking to his own inebriation as well, uh, which I do wonder how much that plays into like his own sobriety of it all. I know drugs and alcohol are not exactly comparable. Um, So I admit that I think the start of this scene, especially is fun. I will admit if there's one sort of weakness for me in flashes before your eyes, it's that it, it does take us two acts to get into really the meat of the episode not to say that it's it's not entertaining what we experience in those first 11 minutes but i do wonder if there's an episode that exists that maybe takes out even half or maybe the entire fire scene and just like takes us in some way maybe have claire drowning and then do the the Desmond flashback in, and then have that play out for the rest of the episode. Because as we'll talk about, I think the wraparound is a little weird before the you're gonna die, Charlie stuff. Uh, but I was just loving so much the stuff that happens with the time flash that I was like, I, I wish we had more, even more time dedicated to it in the episode.
1: Yeah, I I don't want to live in that world because I I love that when Lost is joyful is one of my favorite things, and there's so much joy in this scene before it goes dark. Uh, <laughs> but like I really I really love that stuff, and especially because Charlie's been such a such a a dump of a character uh for so <laughs> long uh that like just like to get like some of that like just like very naturally charismatic, charming Dominic Monaghan energy is is fun for me. It does take the turn. Um, but, you know, the the stuff leading up to that, I think, is just... It's really, really, really fun. And also, Jorge Garcia plays it really well, too, of him just, like, kind of being, like, sprawled out on the sand. That feels very real. Like, that feels like moments that I've had, too. It's, it's
0: happy to see... Happy inebriated Charlie, yes. right? Because we've yeah. seen a lot of dark inebriated Charlie. We've seen addict Charlie. We've never seen Hurley inebriated before, and now we see happy inebriated Desmond. So it's a cool way because I feel like uh, usually when we're talking about like people getting drunk or holding drinking sessions, it's usually Sawyer, right? The last major one I think was the I Never game uh, in in Outlaws. So it's it's nice to have this be. A bit of a sequel, even though, like you said, this one turns a bit more violent uh, and physical in a different way than Sawyer wanted it to be back in Outlaws.
1: So Desmond bum rushes Charlie and he starts, you know, you don't want to know what Rabbit just me. got
0: sacked.
1: Yeah. G.I. <laughs> uh, Joe. Uh, so Desmond has sacked Charlie. I want to be and- Royal Army, Des. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh so he so he starts we, we start getting the flashes and so this this is a flashback technically, right? Like because like yeah. the flashes aren't happening right this second. Right. I mean, I, mean, I mean it technically cuts to the
0: end of Live Together Die Alone with the events of the hatch bloody, mm-hmm. which I'm so glad unlike maternity leave super subtle segue into it which shows you don't need jarring noises
1: to show us that it's a flashback show yeah so we're we're flashing back to the end of live together die alone he's turned the hatch is going hey wire i love you penny he turns the key and now we are in the past we are we are several years earlier and desmond is waking up on the ground Covered in blood. Just kidding. It's paint yeah, and, and were wearing their own a, personal a red painter's room.
0: uniform, uh, which is oddly similar to the one from the hatch. You know, there is a lot of red in this episode, Josh. And I, I did a bit of color theory for this episode because red was so prevalent or prevalent. Uh, so from color dot com. Red is the color of extremes. It's the color of passionate love, seduction, violence, danger, anger and adventure. Our prehistoric ancestors saw red as the color of fire and blood, energy and primal life forces. And most of red symbolism today arises from its powerful associations in the past. Red is also a magical and religious color. It symbolized superhuman heroism to the Greeks and is the color of the Christian crucifixion. Red was almost as rare and as expensive as purple in ancient days. A fact that may explain its magic and power. So, I mean, it's, that was a loaded description, but I feel like red as a color hits so many themes in this episode. I mean, even just reading off passionate love, seduction, violence, danger, anger, and adventure all happen in this episode. Yeah. The idea that red represents something supernatural and religious in this episode. And the fact that rare uh, red was a color that was like very rare and very expensive, look at McCutcheon as an example as well. Like th- I, I love the use of the color in this episode because in a show that associates it so much around the black and white and everything in between to have this pop of color, not only made for a great fake out initially, but also just really ties into a lot of stuff that gets brought into this episode.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. And I think speaks to the uniqueness of Desmond, um, It's funny because he's going to say in this episode, I don't even like the color red. He hates the color red, but he's going to be wearing a red shirt for his, you know, the vast majority of his time on the show at the end, uh, in the final season, uh, which I always thought was like a strange, borderline bad color choice for the character. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like, I like this interpretation of that. I think, I think it's fun. And to like think of him as this, you know, bloody red X-Factor, like this beating heart X-Factor um, in this battle between light and shadow, uh, I think is is a fun interpretation. Um, but he's, yeah. you know, wiped out on the ground. And I will he's, also say,
0: well, we know that Desmond's favorite color is green, don't we?
4: Yeah. Yes,
1: we do. <laughs> he, loves, he loves the color green. He also loves Donkeys uh, Shrekman. Oh, gosh. Uh, but he's covered in not blood. Uh, Penny comes in. She says this is this is the results of climbing ladders, painting ceilings and alcohol. Uh, Desmond with one leg and a heart of gold. Uh, and uh, she's asking what's wrong with him. And he's having like, this very strange look about him that suggests that he is having deja vu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it must be that feeling of waking up from a very vivid dream is what he's had because he is here. He is very much actually here in this moment. Um, even though half a second earlier, he was being bathed in a big white light before, uh, you know, winding up here covered in red paint. Yeah, so and, and for the all time knows, travel has
0: begun. Well, I mean, there's so many things that could happen. Like, was that all a dream? Was this just me concussed on the ground and dreaming like three years of my life? Is this heaven? Did I die? Cause I'm assuming that's the intention behind which he turned the failsafe key. Hence the I love you, Penny, and his final words to lock. And this is what the afterlife is. This is his good place in a way. Like Desmond is tripping right now, understandably so. And Henry and Cusick does such a great job of like realizing that, but also like trying to play it off as well. Like he's very much traveling this line of like, don't freak out. Too much, just play the game right now and we'll figure out the rules later, especially initially when he just gives like this completely slack jawed, wide-eyed hug to Penny, who was someone that he never thought he would see again.
1: Uh so in in my interpretation of events, he's he's waking up here, it's years earlier from the moment that he's yeah, turned to fail safety. It's nineteen ninety six. Um, He's turned the failsafe key in 2004 and is waking up in 1996. And this is how it's always happened. That 1996, he wiped out on the ladder, knocked his head on the ground and woke up. With the consciousness of the man who's been through this before. And that all of the things that he's gonna see here and flashes before your eyes and all the things that's happened here are things that have happened to him before again and again and again ad nauseum. Um, that is, that is my interpretation. Um, I wonder if there's room for interpretation of Desmond being in any kind of like flash sideways scenario? Yeah, right, so now? so
0: let me let me bring this up because the Ben Behind the Curtain actually kind of brought up a theory here. So what if this isn't actually a flashback? What if this is a mind F from Smoky? That either the island or the man in black sort of like Put Desmond in this weird sort of you say flash sideways, maybe like holodeck is more the thing I would think of where he's now in this situation and is sort of like basically being given the reason why like he is important and why he needs to continue to either carry out Jacob's mission or Mm -hmm. work against it, depending on your interpretation that he actually did not. Go back in time here, that he is just playing out a scenario that makes him believe he traveled back in time as a test, which we talk about a lot with Locke, as to either his commitment to the island or against the island
1: yeah so I don't know food for thought i I think like whatever your flash is before your eyes canon is is your flash is before your eyes canon like i'm 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 good with just about you know any interpretation you want to take away from this one. I think Desmond and the things that Desmond represents uh are among the most personal and subjective experiences one can have with lost uh so just wanted to put that out there just as a as a possibility. I'd never really thought about it before i I don't really subscribe to it but i I think it's interesting to at least chew on. A little bit. Yeah, well, Um, especially
0: in in the wake of all this echo stuff that we were talking about, right? Of like the test that Jacob and the man in black were putting on these other characters. I don't think it's exactly outside the ballpark that they would do maybe a similar thing to this very odd character who finds himself in a
1: unique situation. Totally, totally, totally. All right. Uh, so he and Penny are going to kiss. He's like, all right, everything's coming up. Uh, everything's really going to say everything's coming up. Millhouse. Uh, everything's coming <laughs> everything's up. Everything's coming up. Millhouse. Yeah. So, uh, he's, he's doing great. He's going to be prepping for a job interview. It's 108 PM, mm-hmm. unless it's 108 in the morning, but that seems <laughs> It's hard. a real early interview. Your dad's a hard ass. 108 p.m. is a pretty late interview, I feel like. Mm, uh,
0: I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I'm assuming Winmore maybe has a busy morning and so maybe. he like, clears some time in his afternoon.
1: Maybe, maybe. Anyway, uh, he's going to start getting ready. Why don't we listen in on his prep? Yeah. Let me. Thanks.
3: Oh, hang on. you got paint on
2: your
3: neck. Huh? How's that concussion?
2: Oh, my severe so head injury is a small price to pay for the pleasure of having you move into my humble. Is rat trap accurate?
4: Voilà. You know you don't really need a job from my father, Des.
2: It's not about the job. I want him to respect me
4: and respect you he shall but if for some reason he's too daft to see how brilliant you are it's not the end of the world what did you say? you're right
2: yeah yeah i'm fine just uh just had a bit of a deja vu that's all
0: who knew that penny had down the hatch on the background and was listening to the (laughs) intro when desmond was putting on his tie yeah, that's Alex G. He did a really great
1: theme song for the podcast. Exactly. Uh, I mean,
0: maybe that's yeah. what a uh, 2020 loss would, but they, instead of putting Sarah McLaughlin's Building a Mystery <laughs> on, which right on the nose there with that song choice, instead it would be like a podcast while they're getting ready, right?
1: I like it. I think I think that that would be good. Uh, a couple of things to, to note. Um, Rat Trap, uh, not only a great Transformers from the Beast, uh, Beast Wars and Beast <laughs> oh, Machine days. Oh, that takes days. me back. Beast Wars, uh, Transformers. You know, not o- not only a great character. Yeah, hey, Rat Trap uh, from, from those I re- shows. I remember
0: getting the toy of Rat Trap and just being so, I don't know, like angry just because he was like such a little <laughs> twerp that I'm like, yeah, no! Yeah,
1: better, better character than he was an action figure, yeah, I would exactly. say. We'll, we'll
0: talk about that one Nobody, more nobody we... aspires to have Rat Trap in their home.
1: <laughs> uh we'll do we'll do more of that when we get into our uh down the hatch uh transformers beast wars follow up at some point down <laughs> yeah that's a
0: natural segue <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that that makes sense Well, the transformers they're you know in beast wars they're stranded. Uh, mm-hmm. as well. They're far away from Cybertron. And there are, are uh, animals
0: involved, just like in involved. They transform like the smoke monster does. Mm-hmm.
1: There's time travel. Uh, they're traveling back in time to prehistoric Earth. There's so. bad
0: CGI like we see sometimes there in is, Lost. Is,
1: there, listen, don't come after Beast Wars, man. There's brutal deaths on Beast Wars. <laughs> they're very emotional, character-centric episodes. Beast Wars was the shit. Anyway, Rat Trap because Faraday is going to be doing like the little mice mazes yeah with this time travel he's, shenanigans. He's going to meet the namesake of the rat later on <laughs> that afternoon. Yes, that's that's correct. Uh, there's also going to be... You have a little bit of paint on your neck, uh, which I think is an interesting thing that I hadn't picked up on before, and I'm sure is not intentional, but it's just one of those things where it's like the, the, the ripples of Lost are so fun to, to examine. Uh, and here's one where... Desmond, in this moment where he's like in this surreality, right? Like, uh-huh. this is not, he's not in Kansas anymore. Um, he's got like what looks to be like a slash on his neck. Uh, and one of the first things we'll see from jack in the flash sideways is examining a slash that he has yeah. on his neck uh which you know he thinks is like a, a cut from shaving or whatever but is actually from his death experience so I just, I just like the way that those two things connect
0: yeah it's a really interesting thing that again connects to like someone waking up in a, a different timeline than what they're used to another reason why i pulled the script clip is because Again, you know, Live Together, Die Alone, we got a sense as to who Desmond and Penny were at that point in their relationship, which was to say their non-existent relationship. We were in the when-you-get-to-married, pen stage of everything that I really wanted to showcase— how they were as a couple before the breakup later on this episode and they're just as squee-worthy as you might think. They get along Squeeze! yeah, they get along super well, but it is interesting. I think it's a bit symbolic that Penny is the one who has to tie Desmond's tie for him that that he struggles with it. It definitely sort of like we talked about with Sun and Jin and we'll get shades of pain here with Whitmore coming up. It symbolizes a man that is out of his element but will do what it takes. For love, And that's going to inform so much of what Jin does and so much of what Desmond does in very different ways, but it's a very similar thematic connection.
1: I think one of the reasons why Desmond is such a resonant character is because he embodies a lot of different traits from a lot of the different characters that we love. Um, within Desmond, there is the Jin and Sun love story, right? Like, Jin and Sun walk so Desmond and Penny can run for yeah. a lot of people. And Desmond can um, run and he can run and so like through through Desmond there is sort of this leading man quality that exists within Jack. Uh with Desmond there is this guy who can just like who can like throw down in a fight and drink super hard much like Sawyer. Um uh, knows his way around electronics much like Said. Um you know I, I from the UK much like Charlie. Uh mystical in his uh in his relationship with the island much like John Locke. I think Desmond a lot of the threads of Lost travel through him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is a big piece of why this character is one of the most popular characters on the show, because basically, the main things, or like a lot of the big piece things that you love about all of these other characters on the show are also present in Desmond. Desmond is like your your classic utility player. Right. You can plug him into so many different roles and he would excel in just about all of them.
0: Yeah. He really is sort of like the the renaissance man in that regard and that he yeah. possesses so many different
1: qualities of the characters that we love. He can be funny, he can be heartbreaking, he can be a badass. Yeah. Like he he's he's got He's got everything. You know, like, Desmond really is just the full package.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is is the package He's literally (laughs) the package, yeah. But he is (laughs) sort of like the, I don't know. It's also tough to find, like, negative qualities in him, as opposed to some of the other characters, you know, uh, Jack's reticence to fix something, John Locke's stubbornness when he believes in something, Sawyer being an a-hole. Like, there are relatable, yet apparent faults, Within them and outside of, you know, maybe the way that Desmond handles the breakup and being withholding with the information. I don't know. I'm sure I'm opening myself I think up that's to something. Very, but like,
1: he's a, he's, I think I think that's very Jack. You know, I think I think that that's a lot of like the Jack quality. That's like very, very stubborn. And I think there's a good amount of like gin in there, too. Very proud. Mm, uh, he has to get uh, his like, honor think, back. Yeah, I think that there is a lot of that stuff still, uh, in, in Desmond. And I think that that's important too. That, you know, a big part of the reason why we love any of these characters on this show is because they're flawed like the game. And so is Desmond. Uh, you know, Desmond's flaws are, I think, uh, obscured by his strengths as they should be. And, as is hopefully the case for the most successful characters on the show. And by successful, I mean um, their resonance with the viewer. Uh, But I I just think that because Desmond also possesses so many of the strengths um, that these other characters have, uh, it just makes him sort of this transcendent character where he's a really agreeable person to like point to and be like, that's the best character on the show Mm -hmm. because he's just got so many of the qualities that make these other characters so great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Though, I mean, if you ask the man that he's about to talk to, he possesses uh, none of them.
1: Yeah, all right. So let's go to the job interview. Oh, There's and I like and a will moment. say
0: at the top here, just to, we'll yada yada through like the package yeah. for for 15, but I will say the receptionist says one of my least favorite often said lines in pop culture history, and you are. <laughs> and I,
3: you are. I
0: hate that line with a <laughs> seething passion because it's nobody ever says it in real life. It's hoity AF, it sounds stupid. It's so presumptive. Like it has the perfect Venn diagram of being both unnatural and just very negative.
1: Yeah. Uh, so there's that, there's a parcel for, uh, for room 815 or whatever. Okay, that's fun. It's all happening. Charles Widmore's office has, uh, has a polar bear in it. Knowing what we know about Charles Widmore, that he is a guy who hails from the island, was an other, uh, was, like, the leader of the others for a long time, is trying really hard to go back, much like Jack. Um, is it impossible that this painting that's in his office is, like, literally commissioned Like to like bring back memories of the island.
0: Perhaps. I know we also have uh, some of Thomas's paintings are in here as well. And again, you might say like, I know David himself said it's coincidental because that just comes from the art team. But who knows? Maybe Winmore has his fingers in so many different pies that he's like, oh, I heard about, you know, uh, (laughs) I heard about Claire Littleton's deadbeat boyfriend having these pictures. I'd like to buy them just to hold one over on him, even though he has no idea who I am.
1: I have a question. Does this mean that we can uh, throw an LVP point on Thomas because oh, he like, I'm kind so of tempted. appears in this
0: episode? He does make a cameo appearance here, but you know what? I think we have to avoid it for now because there are people much more deserving of LVP points as we're, we're about to talk about right now.
1: There's a couple of other candidates, yeah. So uh, not not in the the Jacob sense. So Desmond is a candidate for a job here. Uh, he's admiring the room. He's admiring that little boat, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's for the solar race around the world that you're going to be on." I mean, I can't talk about that Um And so Charles Woodmore is going to hire Desmond, but it's not the real reason Desmond is here. Desmond's going to reveal the real reason why he's here. And it's going to once again seems like it's going well, and then once again a booze-fueled reveal that things are not so great. Let's listen to it.
2: Well, Desmond, I'm going to see to it that you have a position in our administrative department. Not the most glamorous duty, but it's a start. I'll speak to human resources. Uh, With all due respect, sir, I haven't come here to interview for a position in your company. You haven't? No, sir. (laughs) I came here to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. We've been together two years now, and pen's moving in. And I love her. Your permission would mean everything to me. I'm impressed, Hume. Very noble gesture you know anything about whiskey uh, no I'm afraid not, sir this is a 60 year McCutcheon named after Anderson McCutcheon esteemed admiral from the Royal Navy he retired with more medals than any man before or since moved to the highlands to see out his remaining years Admiral McCutcheon was a great man Hugh this was his crowning achievement This swallow is worth more than you could make in a month. And to share it with you would be a waste and a disgrace to the great man who made it. Because you, Hume, will never be a great man. A bit more. I know I'm not. What you're not is worthy of drinking my whiskey. How could you ever be worthy of my daughter? My
1: whiskey. <laughs> um. So. Charles Widmore's a dick. Yeah. Let's, let's Let's put that out there. Charles Widmore's awful. Charles Widmore will get LVP points this week. They will be deserved. Yes, one of many, many
0: weeks. Again, we got a, a teeny bit of Chucky Woods in that one scene in Live Together, Die Alone. Get in the car. Yeah, but this that was just the tip of the iceberg that's floating in a glass of whiskey. As we really, I think, get to the heart of this character and why he is such a flagrant asshole. sure.
1: But do we want to consider the universe in which Charles Whitmore, in this moment in time, knows that Desmond David Hume is going to go to the island, is not going to the island so that he can get Desmond away from Penny, but is going to the island because whatever happened, happened, and he knows that that guy at some point in the future has to go to the hatch? And push that button and turn that failsafe key. Is it possible that both the actions of Charles Widmore and Eloise Hawking in this episode are specifically designed to be antagonistic to push Desmond towards this very important fate that he needs to accomplish in order to make sure that the world doesn't explode?
0: If that's the case, way too convoluted for him. We've actually talked about this a bit during Live Together, Die Alone because we were asked about this. I think if that was the case, this would be a complicated plan that even Sawyer would look at and be like, damn, y'all got too many steps in there. Because that would have to be like, all right, I have to anger Desmond enough that he will purposely break things off with Penny and then take my sailing race around the world in this particular year so that he winds up in this particular section of the sea to wash ashore on the island. Look, is Charles Winmore beyond putting together multifaceted, complicated plans? no. Is it necessary? No, I think. But el- what you
1: sketched out is such an other's thing to do. That's like the, it's it's like uh, like lining up a bus driver to wait until Edmund is about to cross the street so you can plow That's him. down. That's one step, though. But what I mean, but but it is a complicated step. It's a complicated that stems from like a throwaway line. But then like also,
0: I- but we're talking multiple years. Desmond's going to wash up on that island in 2001. Mm-hmm. This is 1996. Charles Widmore would have to make a five-year plan to plant a seed in Desmond, who's ironically enough probably, probably trying to plant a seed in his daughter, to break up that relationship so he gets irate enough to sh- prove himself to Widmore in that particular time in 2001 to take the boat to the island at that particular time frame.
1: Yeah, all that would take is a time-traveling Eloise Hawking who witnesses this stuff happening, uh, knows that this stuff is going to happen, is spurred on into this action by knowing that she's going to kill her son, gets heavily invested in trying to see if she can fix that scenario— Begins to understand, no, she cannot fix that scenario. She's going to have to raise her son to die. That's a thing that she is going to have to do in order to preserve the timeline and preserve history and talk to versions of herself. Talk to Charles Widmore, be like, yo, Desmond's got to go to the island. That dude cannot be with Penny. Uh, he's got to be on this path. If he's ever coming towards you and is looking for a happy ending, just be a dick. Just push him away. Just push that guy away. Keep him as far away from Penny as possible. Like All of that, I think, plays totally fine and fair within the rules of time travel. I don't want to absolve Charles Whitworth being a dick. That dude... Is a dick. This is really mean. He is being really, really cruel and terrible here. Um, but I think that when you contrast this also with like the way that he engages with Desmond in the final season of the show, like he is now starting to like communicate with Desmond with a level of like I don't need to like you know tiptoe around any of this stuff anymore. Like you're very important and we really need you. Um, like I think that that's just a possibility that's in play. I think that there's an interpretation of this where Whitmore doesn't want Desmond involved with his daughter, probably because he knows that he's super dangerous, and that means danger for Penny, but also because he knows that Desmond actually is kind of a big deal.
0: Or I think he just hates Desmond. It's like, also possible. Totally. I think Desmond is, is classist AF. I mean, if that's the case... I'm gonna give more kudos to Eloise Hawking than Charles Winmore, cause Charles Winmore approach is horrible. Like, if it was indeed him getting to the island, he not only takes in the knife, he doesn't only really dig in the knife, he gets inside the carcass of Desmond, swirls it around like a freaking candy cone, or cotton candy machine, and pulls out his innards to leave him a complete empty husk. He vivisects that and empties this man so much that it is only going to inform every decision he's going to make for the next 5 years. Like I guess you could say if that's the pl- the, the the plan that he's doing this extremely complicated unnecessarily 5-year plan sure good on you it's for straight po- out
1: of the others playbook that, that's like I how do, ben I, I, wants I, um, to approach jack it's like how he approaches juliet right, but like, we talk is- about
0: want yeah. but want is not successful there are so many ways this plan could get shot to sunshine that i would not believe that this is an actual thing that is carefully orchestrated by this guy
1: i think it's a possibility i think you could read it as that i think you could read it as widmore uh knowing that there's more to desmond than meets the eye to bring it back to beast wars and transformers uh i think that it's it's not impossible i think it's i think it's something that that could be interpreted it could be interpreted well, either way desmond's really only going to interpret it the one way it was like wow that guy is a raging a-hole oh my god he's gonna be so mad that he like Andy samberg will throw the tie on the ground you're man. not my dad take that dad you don't own Uh, me hot
0: dog man uh there's something interesting mentioned in the interview by the way about desmond uh dropping out of university to look after his three brothers oh yeah do do we we get a mention do you think those are brothers or do you think that those are like three friends that desmond calls brother
1: (laughs) yeah my three brothers uh you could be one of them too (laughs) now you're my fourth yeah, uh, could be. I would love to meet Desmond's brothers, maybe in Lost too. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a
0: little surprised. Maybe it's because we don't get too much like Desmond flashback content. I'm surprised we we wouldn't have seen or
1: heard more of them. Desmond's got a pretty rich world, you know. Like I think the, the world surrounding Desmond is untapped. We, we haven't even talked about Donovan yet. Uh, you know, Donovan's hanging out there. So there's uh, a bunch. Of you he's people one of on the, the brothers. The- i hope so i love donovan donovan's a great guy it's sad. it's sad that we only get him the one I time I he is sort um, of like
0: substitute daniel faraday considering the role that faraday plays in the concept but i think he, yeah, sure, he serves a good like role him. here
1: i like him i think he's good uh so desmond is mad he leaves and then uh another huge moment of deja vu to the tune of oasis
2: You can leave your number if you want. How do I know you? I don't. Uh where do I know you from? Look, I don't know, but I remember if I could get some help. Hey! Can you get some help? Good job. Yeah, name's on the sign. On the hatch. I remember seeing you. There was a, there was a computer. There was a, there was a button. We, we were on an island. We are on an island, mate. This is England. No, but it was real, man. I remember. Hey, all right. This just. This is why we don't do drugs. No, this. I remember this. This, this all happened before. Today, Did this happen today? This. I remember that he said I wasn't worthy and then it came down and, then, and I, I took off my tie and, and then the, I lost my tie and Penny said, where was it? And then it started to rain and...
0: If the lyrics weren't so fantastically fitting, I would say, of course, Charlie is that guy who said, "Anyway, here's Wonderwall," while he's busting mm-hmm. for people outside Woodmore's office he kind
1: of like botches the song a little bit That's yeah i don't know why he repeated
0: thing. maybe in there it's
1: an editing thing maybe he just maybe he just waited he's he like me. vamping
0: like crap what are the next words
1: <laughs> he's like oh crap i don't i don't remember so song. Wh- wh- only, where does this fall in, in the shaft timeline because this
0: is 1996 do we assume because i had always assumed i don't know why that like Shaft was like a late 90s mm-hmm. hit band that fell apart is this like right before they break big
1: uh I would expect so because otherwise I think people would probably be losing it more for a nineteen ninety six Charlie Pace. And I would
0: also say uh, that I think when Desmond says, you know, I know you, you would assume that Charlie would respond in that season one Charlie Pace way I'm of like. From Drive Shaft, yeah, like, oh blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. you all yeah. everybody, you probably heard it. Exactly. And, or the popular commercial.
1: Exactly. And so the fact that he uh, again so like in this world where you're viewing the events of flashes before your eyes as whatever happened happened that this stuff happened too that Charlie and Desmond met before they both came to the island and that's how it's always been um i think it it fits totally fine within like the desmond stuff that like he's going to lose the memories of this he's like going to hit his head super hard he's going to forget a lot of this stuff um and for charlie he's going to go through several years of not being in his right mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for him to have like completely forgotten any of this having ever happened is uh, speaking from experience well within the purview of somebody who spends most of their time inebriated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I think that that's not, um, that's not a stretch at all. So I think that this idea that um, Charlie and Desmond met before the island, having always been a thing that happened, that isn't just unique to Desmond right now being in like some like alternate universe or changing things. Um, I think I think it still fits. I think or, that like you could still read it that. Or way. Or
0: Charlie's just face blind. That could be it as well, where he just assumes <laughs> everyone is Desmond. I believe this is. Is this also the episode where Charlie's middle name is introduced? Uh, Hieronymus. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Which obviously is a reference to Hieronymus Bosch, uh, which is a famous painter. We could probably do a deep dive into him, and maybe a, the, I, I'm, there could even be like a separate thing. Maybe we'll bring on the guy who plays Thomas for the Art
1: of Lost bonus podcast. But I will say It's funny because when you put Charlie and the Man in Black together, they're poor. Manteau is Hieronymus Bosch.
0: Oh, I, that makes so much more a, that makes so much sense Bosch now. And we are, of course, shipping them over the years. Uh, and yeah. I will also say good on Charlie for changing his stage name, because I think Charlie Hieronymus Bosch is not exactly ring. <laughs> it's not very melodic for a musician, especially.
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, but Desmond is starting to wonder: like, okay, maybe this isn't deja vu. Maybe I'm a time traveler. Maybe I'm traveling through time. This is all too weird. I remember this stuff uh and he's gonna go and meet up with his buddy donovan the physicist uh donovan is gonna think that desmond's a loon like they're they go out they start drinking beers he thinks that all of this is crazy uh yeah, i think donovan's
0: just basically saying like this is all like a, f- a created like fictional reality uh because like he just doesn't you know uh, he feels like he's maybe unworthy know, yeah like just too stressed out about the penny of it all it's also a fun little meta moment because i feel like the way donovan is speaking about everything is sort of like a representation of those of us that try to convince people to start watching lost after season two of like okay <laughs> so there was this machine yeah. and it was it was supposed to save the world you have to press a button yeah. every hundred eight minutes and they yeah. say you're staring with like the same <laughs> gawk-eyed expression that donovan does
1: here I think the other thing too, this question of like why don't we ever see Donovan again is because like Desmond will get irrefutable proof as the show goes on that he is indeed a time traveler. Yeah, and also, and also, uh, and like he should Daniel probably Faraday, go and talk to Daniel Faraday like Faraday of is, is much more likely to play ball. <laughs>
0: Desmond threw yeah. the ball to Donovan, and Donovan promptly like spiked the ball <laughs> exactly. down and, and deflated. Exactly, it. <laughs> it's
1: like all right, I gave my buddy a shot, but I found somebody who's a little bit better on this topic. Uh, but he starts hearing the Mama Cass music, and he starts remembering. Uh, the soccer game and Jimmy Lennon cricket bat. <laughs> Jimmy Lennon, that's my favorite. When he's wrong and Jimmy Lennon doesn't come uh, and he goes, no, they came back though. They won. Jimmy Lennon. Uh, I cricket,
0: I'm, I'm, cricket bat. Do we think is, is Jimmy Lennon like a patron and that's why he knows him? Or did Jimmy Lennon could be like, I am Jimmy Lennon and I got a yeah. problem with you? Did he like introduce himself? So yeah,
1: he was Jimmy Lennon is like I think a notorious piece of shit. Uh so like he just like pops in and out of this place. Uh, and just goes around threatening people with uh, the the official Jimmy Lennon cricket bat. Oh, he goes, yeah. He uh, doesn't go anywhere without his beloved cricket bat. God, I just love that line, Jimmy Lennon. Yeah, just like his
0: fading hope. And Henry and Cusick again, is so good in this particular state of freaking out. Like, ever since the Epiphany scene that we just played, and here of him just being like, I'm so sure about this, but now he's going back on his own work. It's like, wait a minute, am I going crazy? Why isn't this happening right now? And it's interesting because, you know, make your own kind of music plays, which obviously links back to the hatch of it all, but also, again, going to the theming of the song, he's going to find out very soon that he technically isn't allowed to make his own kind of music. He's supposed to Play one particular song and have one particular ending.
1: So he tells. Sir so Donovan is like, "Stop being a jerk. Go marry Penny." And so Desmond goes back to his flat, and Penelope's asleep. And he tells her, "Yeah." So the job interview didn't go great. And Penny's like, "Good. That dude sucks. I told you. It's great that you're not going to have to work for him. Um, you're a good man. You're you're rich in goodness. Uh, good men are hard to hard to come by." Uh, and Desmond has once again that far off look. Where are you? I'm right here. I'm right here, Pen.
0: Yeah, I also like Penny's. Uh, the occasion is I love you. Mm-hmm. While they're going out for lobsters on the
1: pier? There's a lot about Penny in this episode that's just magnificent. Like the way that Sonia Walger says the word "voila." Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, she's just Penny's the best. Penny's incredible.
0: yeah, which is what makes the heart the heartbreak So heartbreaking, <laughs> to, I know, for lack uh, of a better term, is like she is such a good person. In this episode, again, if you're talking about, like, faultless characters, you really don't see anything from Penny in this episode that pushes Desmond away from her, which is why, you know, things get so tough uh, for the two of them and why they have been torn apart just by circumstance.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go and introduce another major character to the Lost canon. Uh Desmond, now encouraged by Donovan to propose to Penny, is going to go ring shopping. And he's going to encounter somebody who is going to, you know, try and sell him a shitty ring and then not be so thrilled when he wants it. So let's listen in on uh, the first appearance of Always Hawking.
4: Never done this before, have you? Is it that obvious? <laughs> I can always tell the first timers. Now then, may I ask your price range?
2: not a man of means uh, oh. I hope to in you know, one day
4: I have just the thing this won't blind any queens to be sure but still has the sparkle of life
2: I'll take it. I'm sorry? It's perfect. I'll take it.
4: No, you won't. Give me the ring. Give it here. I don't understand. This is wrong. You don't buy the ring. You you have second thoughts. You walk right out that door. So come on, let's have it. I don't know what you're on about. You don't buy the ring, Desmond. money well, i know your name as well as i know that you don't ask a penny to marry you in fact you break her heart well breaking her heart of course is what drives you in a few short years from now to enter that sailing race to prove her father wrong which brings you to the island where you spend the next three years of your life entering numbers into the computer until you are forced to turn that fail safe key and if you don't do those things, Desmond David Hume, every single one of us is dead. So give me that sodding ring.
1: But you said no backsies, <laughs> no taxis, backsies, no taxi backsies. All right, here's
0: here's my take. I think Eloise Hawking is a criminally underrated character in the mm-hmm. history of Lost. Because yeah. I, I think maybe it's just the shirking off of all the, the time travel stuff, but...
1: Don't threaten me with a good time by putting Eloise Hawking and Shirk together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think Fenella F- Flanagan is just such a fantastic casting. And honestly, I think what Lost needed that was missing was, like, a dowdy, sassy old British woman. And we finally get an Eloise Hawking. Give me that sodding ring is such a fantastic it's a good line it's, it's yeah. such a fantastic line um, we're going to talk about this because spoiler alert the next clip we're going to play is is the further conversations after uh, the yes. break.
1: do you like chestnuts right you're just going to play that line yeah just uh, that over and over again for two minutes <laughs> straight a, do you like chestnuts what an odd but, but i love
0: the stuff like her saying you know i can always tell the first timers clearly that has a lot of weight to it you know if you're talking yeah. about connections to season six when we talk about the ring with the sparkle of light, I part of me wondered: is that a call to the possible heart of the island and the, yeah. the ring of life that Desmond is going to help? You know, really save the island and the world later on.
1: Yep, 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 for sure. I could totally see um, that. But I
0: love Eloise's. Eloise has fantastic facial reactions, particularly mm-hmm. with the reaction aspect to everything. And as all the WTFness is going on with Desmond freaking out, Eloise just gives such a matter of fact smile. Like, yep. This is your reality, bitch, and you're living in it. Give me the ring back. And it's so well done. It's so like sobering, yet so smiley, almost like in a Dolores Umbridge way that hmm. I love it so much.
1: Um, we've had, you know, there's a lot of questions about Eloise Hawking. Eric Divestein wrote in and said, how does Eloise know so much about Desmond's future? When did she become clairvoyant? Um, both the great Brendan Fitzpatrick and the great Zach Brooks asked, does she know that Desmond is Daniel's constant? Does she know that there's also a mouse called Eloise? Like, what are the things that she knows? Is she good? Is she bad? Uh, Stefan Johnson asks, Eloise Hawking is a villain. She has been since this episode and she will be until the last episode. The only character with a longer villain streak is the monster. Uh, and Dallin Servo adds, does Eloise Hawking own this pawn shop or was she just using it that day to talk to Desmond? There's so many different questions about Eloise, her intentions, her moral alignment how much does she know does she have superpowers i think if you you can if whatever you come up with that fits within the the rest of the language of the show is totally fine by me the way that i read eloise is she kills her son she deeply mourns it and regrets it but also no like dedicates her life to like the preservation of that act probably after some attempt at trying to figure out can things be changed and finding right. out they can't be. Um, So I think for me, rather than it being like a level of clairvoyance that Eloise Hawking possesses, it makes more sense to me that she's the leader of the others for a time. She kills her son. She goes to investigate what, like what is the veracity of that act? Is that something that actually happened? Um, She, you know, Ben Linus as the leader of the others knows about the frozen donkey wheel. Like time travel, as like the leader of the others feels like a thing that you could possibly resort to yeah, if it's, you wanted it's in, to.
0: It's in the binder, the orientation manual. It's in, exactly so yeah.
1: like they have they have that under the hood as a possibility. And I think that the the possibility of her like scanning possible futures, hopping around, going around and looking at this stuff, finding out about Desmond, and finding out about like the ways in which all of this stuff fits together. That makes more sense to me for the character of Eloise than she has like some sort of like weird like I see the future type of power. More that she is using a power that is available within the language of Lost. Um, Mm. But yeah, she is she a villain? Uh, I I think that you could certainly read it that way. I think, but I, I, I think it's also like. She's complicated. Uh, She's a very complicated person. She does a very terrible thing. But if her rationale is to get Desmond to the island so he can push the button and so that he can more specifically turn the failsafe key when John Locke destroys the button, um, then she really is looking out for everybody in that moment.
0: So two things. First, I do believe, you know, she gets Daniel the journal when he's a kid, because I believe... I don't know if he shows her the journal outright. Maybe she goes through his, his stuff after she accidentally kills him. And I can imagine that Faraday wrote up a good amount about Desmond after he visited him totally. in the, during the events of the constant, So I would think it's in the realm of possibility that, that Eloise knows a lot about the timeline of Desmond in particular, considering how important he is. As yep. to her larger role, I'm sorry to keep going back to the Arrowverse, but it's that top of mind, I just finished <laughs> season one of Legends of Tomorrow... Eloise Hawking is a time master. And not that she is a time traveler, but she is someone who not only, to your point, knows about the concept of time travel, but has sort of, like, become the main source of it, in a manner of speaking, to the point where she is going to be the one to speak about it to Desmond. And to that point, she is also sort of, like, the relegator of the timeline who wants to make sure that the trains run on time and that those major events, those macro events in the timeline are continuously hit so things don't spin out of control. So, I do think maybe due to a combination of intel that she had and just the general role that she plays, I agree. It's actually, ironically enough, less interesting to me if she has a power. I think it's, it's more so someone who is like haunted by their past, and is purposely... She's
1: doing the work, became, you know, putting that like that, that sweat equity to see if she can't fix it. She can't fix it!
0: Yeah, and, and that caused her, I think, to be also become obsessed with this idea of, like, maintaining a timeline, right? Like, right. she learned that whatever happened, happened. So she has right. to make sure that things do not go haywire, and so she's the one to sort of represent that in that regard, no matter who she's actually working with at this point. And I think that's what makes her so interesting in approaching desmond here because this is someone that she does not know he does not know from adam and she just comes here very saying i know your middle name i know what you're going to do give me back the ring do you like chestnuts in that order yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah totally totally agreed all right let's let's keep the scene going uh they go and get chestnuts uh and then more wacky time travel-y timey-wimey stuff as ben martell likes to call it uh occurs
4: that man over there is wearing red shoes so what then just thought it was a bold fashion choice worth noting
2: this isn't really happening is it sorry I've had a concussion you're my subconscious am I yeah to to talk me out marrying Penny well it won't bloody work oh yes it will no there is no island there is no button it's madness I love her she loves me I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with her no
4: Desmond you're not
2: Oh, my God. You knew that was going to happen, didn't you?
4: Then why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you do anything? Because it wouldn't matter. Had I warned him about the scaffolding, tomorrow he'd be hit by a taxi. If I warned him about the taxi, he'd fall in the shower and break his neck. The universe, unfortunately, has a way of course-correcting. That man was supposed to die. That was his path. Just as it's your path to go to the island. You don't do it because you choose to, Desmond. You do it because you're supposed to.
2: she'll say yes i can choose whatever i want
4: you may not like your path desmond but pushing that button is the only truly great thing that you will ever do
1: and that's a lie no he'll do other great stuff yeah. he's gonna you know He's going to take a hit to the head with a cricket bat pretty much like a champion. That's pretty great. He's
0: going to, you know, help say he just helped save Claire's life. Because I'm assuming if Charlie died drowning, saving Claire, you would assume that she would have died as well.
1: You think so too. Yeah. Uh, he's going to sustain drinking uh, a bottle of McCutcheon for five seconds without batting an eye. So you got to assume that it probably goes on longer and the show is doing us the mercy of cutting away. He's, uh, uh, he's going
0: to have a son. He's going to like pass on his lineage as well. Desmond's going to want to do a lot of great things. I guess, in terms of like magnanimity, he does save the world in that regard. So, this is maybe the greatest thing he'll do in terms of size. But like Eloise, and I guess this is a bit of manipulation, right? But like, don't, 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 you know, uh, whitewash Desmond's feature accolades here with one great thing.
1: He's going to wear killer scarves. Yeah. You know, his fashion game is gonna be great. He's gonna, have a so, great yeah. he's gonna have a
0: kick-ass haircut too when he joins the the Royal Army. But yeah, this is such again, it's it's done so well with Eloise Hawking being just so like it almost sounds like she's narrating like an audiobook. With her just being so like, Well, this is what time is. Like you're stuck mm-hmm. with your path. And you know, if I that man with the red shoes, if I had told him about the scaffolding, he would have gotten hit by a taxi. Like he was doomed to die no matter what. Such dark material but set in such a great way even like when desmond says uh you know that this guy died she she gives this not to be like oh what a shame oh isn't that the pits as if like it started raining instead of this man getting tr- basically crushed to death by scaffolding on top of him
1: such an odd line. That man over there is wearing red yeah, shoes.
0: It sounds a bit like she's, like, I don't know, a little, you know, she's a little up in years, so maybe <laughs> things are fading a bit of, like, that man has red shoes.
1: Red shoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that dude's not going to make it. LVP point to the man in the red shoes for dying. Um, he looks he looked
0: pretty I, fetching, though. I will say he made the converse. I like what, the shoes. I like well the, shoes. the The
1: fedora and the suit. But he died. He did die, uh, so I'll just give him an LVP point this week. Um, yeah, I, I think like one of the things,, um, because of like the, the really kind of like neat time travel rules to the show of whatever happened happened, makes some of like the, the wonkiness to that really stand out. And one of the big examples is like the paradox of the John Locke compass mm-hmm. that Richard Albert gives to him because John Locke tells him to give it, but it's actually the smoke monster telling him to do it like that whole thing like where did the compass originate? How did the compass like start um i think is is a question and i I think like to some extent, the Faraday Journal falls into that realm right um like as you're trying to like really think about. How does Eloise know all the things that she knows? I think, you know, like, how does she know about Desmond? How does she know what he's about to do? How does Faraday know about Desmond? How does Faraday know to put in his notebook if anything goes wrong, Desmond Hume is my constant? Because Eloise read Faraday's notebook, and, like, drills this into faraday at some point you know what i mean like there are there are ways in which this all just circles the drain uh and i and i i think that that's that's a really fun aspect of the time travel stuff for me i love a paradox i think paradoxes are great uh i think for some people they can be really unsatisfying and confusing in storytelling and i i derive a lot of pleasure and satisfaction from sort of like less i i would describe it less as confusion and more as um uh you know feeling dizzy by something mm. uh you know feeling scrambled by something uh so i i think that that's all here with the desmond and eloise relationship and i i really i i quite like it mike i like it quite a bit and i really like this character uh and i and i love the performance that she's giving here uh and i think mythologically Eloise Hawking is, is such a fascinating person. But I, I would stick to like my read of this episode is that like the reason why Desmond's gonna go on and break up with Penny is in no small part thanks to this conversation he's about to have with Eloise oh, it's, Hawking. it's completely
0: because of that. Like he's going And that,
1: that is how it always went down. That this always was a piece of it. I mean that this it, was all
0: it helps that she doesn't, he doesn't see her again in this timeline until after he gets off the island, too. So it's not like he's gonna, like Charlie, have like a run in on the island that you could sort of mm-hmm. chalk up to forgetfulness. He is never going to see this woman again, which is also why it's so great, too, right? Cause if it was like Charles Winmore having this conversation, that would have a different weight to it. But because he's in his life, I feel like it has less meaning than like, Ironically enough, than this random ass woman just showing him. Mean, I remember the perception at the time was like, "Who the hell is this?" Because Eloise is yeah. also not going to show up again for, for a, a long bit. Time. and I do think that was a bit of like a strike against the episode at the time. Is like, "Why are they introducing this person?" But I do think in hindsight, it really reverberates so well that they introduced this character so early. It. Yeah,
1: c- I love it. Considering
0: the roles that she's going to play with this theming in general,
1: yeah, and like you know the 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 things that he's going to say to Penny in a in a minute here about. Um, why he's breaking up with her. Like He's going to get hit in the head with the cricket bat. He's going to bounce back forward in time. Desmond will wake up from being knocked unconscious and probably just remember all the things that he said to Penny or be reminded of the things that he said to Penny when Penny like is like, Yeah, don't come back here. You were just such a super dick to me. He didn't say anything about Eloise Hawking. He didn't say anything about the time travel stuff with her. Uh, so I think that that all still folds into itself uh fairly neatly but after this interaction he's gonna he's gonna keep the ring seems like he doesn't have to pay for it that's nice uh um, yeah which, which gonna, makes it
0: feel like it wasn't her shop if she just took this if she tied, yeah, up, tied so up the owner
1: I, and just like makes, yeah exactly yeah exactly, for free. exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think, again, like very others level tactics that are in play uh, from from both Charles Woodmore and Eloise Hawking this week, potentially uh, like that is such a move. It's like, yeah, I'm the ring shop <laughs> owner for sure. For sure. Ring shop owner isn't dead in the closet. No way. Uh, yeah, I would expect that, that person is deceased. But we, we, so,
0: we see what's going to lead into the flashback events of Flip's the Other Die Alone where Desmond walks yeah. by a poster and it says right there, everything he needs honor adventure and become a man you can be proud of. Yep. And watching Honor, no matter how it's spelled, really reminded me, Josh. So when Desmond tells Penny that he's going on the trip to get his Honor back, I don't know, it's interesting watching these events and comparing it to that, because I feel like we're led to believe in this portion that, you know, Desmond never had Honor to begin with. That's what, like, Charles Windmore is essentially telling him and dressing him down. So to have him say that he is getting it back made him feel like he once had honor and he is now re you know reclaiming it as opposed to just I need to get honor in general so I can you know endear myself in front of your father.
1: Yeah. Um I don't know where his honor was before all this, but he just seems to have a pretty low opinion of his honor uh one assumes also his jervis he's not too fond of i've got to get my uh, jervis back i need to get my jervis back penny uh desmond's gonna meet penny it's time for the picture uh a nice picture to show the grandkids all those grandkids. what does penny have against the alps i don't get it she's like oh I hate the <laughs> like, alps. what do they really? do to you <laughs> that is i mean like that is like the bougiest thing Uh, Penny Whitmore really showing her status. Maybe, like, like, I go to the Alps every year. It's old hat. Or maybe she took a trip with Chucky Witt
0: and he, like, did something real dickish to her then, and that's, like, why she's really forsworn him.
1: Maybe, 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 but no, the marina, that's where it's at. Oh, yeah, show give me, me those,
0: stati- those static boats instead of stupid mountains any day of the week. Yeah,
1: that's right in Honolulu. Very easy to to, to go in and find that. Uh, it's a part of the, the cost tours that they do out there in Hawaii, should people ever be able to travel again. Uh, it's something that they do there. So uh, really, really fun to see that come to life here. Uh, they take the picture. Uh, I, I love that petty. is like, take the jacket off We're looking at palm trees here, it's supposed to be hot uh, Like I like that she's just like critiquing for the details um, We're not into the bloody apps They take the picture It's an instant classic And for Desmond, it is instantly A sign of what it is He's got to do Oh boy, here we go I couldn't
3: go through that What was
4: that?
2: You can't do this. You can't do what? Us. This. This relationship.
4: What are you talking about? How can
2: I... I can't look after you. I haven't got a job. I don't have any can't even afford five quid for a bloody photograph you deserve someone better I
4: know what I deserve I chose to be with you, I love you love's not enough
2: being a good man is not enough
4: what's this about, Des, where's this coming from
2: it's all happening too soon you moving in You painting rooms, you changing things I don't even like red why would you leave your flat, your expensive flat don't do that don't you pretend you don't care and don't you dare
4: rewrite history I left my expensive flat because you were too proud to live there remember
1: if you want me to go if you want me to
3: leave then don't make this about what I do or don't deserve and have the decency to admit that you're doing this because you're a coward Sorry,
2: um, but this <sighs> we're not supposed to be together.
0: Bill, that's bill pa-
1: cgi ring
0: yeah bill Paxton's gonna find that
1: ring underwater a few years oh, from now Oh, <laughs> too soon too soon oh. uh, hold on a second mike uh emily can you hear me what is the name of bill paxton's character <laughs> from titanic <laughs> brock love it my wife loves brock love
0: it uh, she <laughs> loves she love it brock love it
1: yeah, she loves Brock Love It. So add Brock Lovett to like the American Desmond Hume. Uh, <laughs> Brock, Brock Lovett, Lovett it. from Titan. Man, imagine Bill Paxton as Desmond would have been great. That casting. would have been. I mean, he's
0: into big love, and Desmond has a lot of love <laughs> as
1: well. <laughs> yeah. Uh R.I.P. One of the greats, one of the all-time greats. Uh, so um, I I love yeah. I
0: love that the photograph in particular is the thing that sort of like triggers this in Desmond. Because I think it's the symbolism of a photograph that it is a a literal snapshot and that it is sort of like a permanence of an image unless you're in the Harry Potter universe where things are moving around. Like Mm -hmm. this is a freeze frame of this particular moment in time and I can imagine not only is this associative to him, this is also a reminder of what Eloise just said, right? Of In spite of the slight changes, this photo still exists in the future. And it shows that, yeah, whatever happened is going to happen. And so you need to push yourself towards doing these things, and you're going to have to go through this very sudden and very heartbreaking breakup.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's going to say in the next scene, right, when he goes to to drink the cheapest pint they've got, that he's made the biggest mistake of his life and he's pretty sure he's made it again. So that to me underscores the motivation here, right? Yeah. That like he has taken Eloise Hawking's words to heart and he's like I have to break up with her because these uh memories of the future I'm having are indeed memories of the future and I have to I have to go and 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 take care of that and so I have to push Penny away here now and I have to satisfy the fate. Um so that all that all tracks. It's very sad. Oh yeah, the, uh, I don't the, the, like. To, I don't like to see Penny and Desmond. Fighting no, the word the we're her.
0: not supposed to be together line is just gutting. Oh, it's, it's, gutting. it's so gutting because you know he yeah. doesn't believe it, but like he knows he has to say it. To we get a little bit of even fleshing out their past. Maybe the honor question comes from the fact that apparently Desmond was too proud to live in Penny's flat. He basically was like, "No, you're you're moving in with me because we, I guess, like we shouldn't live in a place that's like backed by dirty Widmore money."
1: This is this is the Jack stuff. Too proud. Like, come on, go live in the cool flat.
0: You know, Penny,
1: If Penny doesn't have a problem with it, go live in the yeah, cool but, flat. But this is a you but thing. Penny.
0: Oh, uh, you could just feel like the the world drop out from under her, and she's like begging, yeah. being like every argument that he provides, she's like has a counterpoint to it. And of course, I think what really stings, without even realizing it, is when she says, "Don't you dare rewrite history," because he's tried and he realizes that he can't, and that's why he's doing this. It's just such. A great conversation in in one of the like most I don't know in one of the most just devastating ways, but it's an eventuality and I think it's acted
1: and written so beautifully. And I think one of the things if like you're tracking the Penny arc is so this happens with Penny and Des, they break up here at some point, not terribly long after this Desmond is gonna, you know, run away from the Royal Scots and find Penny again and say, call this number in like however many years I forget off the top of my head. Um and like she's gonna go ahead and do that. Um like she is going to hear from Desmond that he believes in like, you know, like I'm gonna need you in a few years down the line if you love me at all, you'll remember. She's still gonna track him down to Los Angeles before he goes on the the race around the world. And then he's gonna disappear and she's gonna devote all these resources to finding Desmond mm-hmm. and finding the island. Um so I I like to believe that eventually they have a conversation about like all this stuff. It's like. Yeah, I was time traveling when I broke up with you. And she and, and, <laughs> and she's because like,
0: she's, she's, she's like, I totally get it. Yeah, I get and because it. Now. She's I pending, totally she totally do. nods is like, I absolutely understand. Like does not yeah. bat an eyelash at that whole entire yeah. proposition and says, Look, yeah. we're dealing with so much crazy stuff. Did you hear about what my father has done? Yeah. Like, my
1: dad was another. It was crazy. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know? So like it's it's fine, I understand. Come back to bed. Let's have lobsters at the pier. I'm buying.
1: Yeah. You know, so just, just fun to think about, uh, the reconciliation between those characters. Uh Desmond goes to the pub. He had the wrong night. Uh, yeah. The music's back. It's the, it's the game. Also should note, uh, this came our way from the great Jim Fell's. Uh, that there's lots of Easter eggs in the soccer match, uh, that there's all these advertisements for Lost brands that are shown during the game, including one for Apollo Bars, Oceanic, the Hanzo Foundation, there's even an expose Which is in weird, because
0: the show doesn't exist at this point.
1: Yeah. You know, well, they must have known that they were going towards it. Uh, Mr. Clocks is I mean, in there Maybe there was a well. show that
0: previously existed called Expose, sort of like uh, the predecessor of this show was a an NBC show called Lost that was sort of themed after the Amazing Race. There just happens to be another show called mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also in the bar, Desmond takes a look at the McCutcheon and instead goes for, quote-unquote, the cheapest, which I think is, yeah. is like a show of that self-flagella- self-flagellation, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. of like, I don't deserve, uh, you know, the expensive stuff, even though I'm going to be a great man and save the world, like, I'm I'm no good.
1: Yeah, so he is—he's gonna notice all this. He's like, "All right, I can change it. I can change everything. I'll be able to change everything. I'm, it's gonna work. It's gonna like—I—I'm I, not crazy. I can still make this right." And then Jimmy Lemon comes in with his stupid freaking cricket bat. <laughs> uh and desmond thinks that he can change things starting here but my my read on it would be that desmond's memory of jimmy coming in with the cricket bat and knocking out the bartender is obscured by the fact that he's the one who got knocked out yeah <laughs> it's like oh that's right like he goes in charging after the bartender but desmond's the one who takes the or, the or do you think maybe
0: this bartender is a real like mvp he wakes desmond up he's like Oh my goodness! That guy came in and beat me up because he knew that Desmond would be so embarrassed to get hit by Jimmy Lennon's cricket bat. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. he came in and like really, you know, clobbered me." And so that's just stuck in Desmond's head the entire time. This yeah, wrong it's information. Po-
1: it's possible, but I think like could, you could you can imagine that he he has flashes uh, of how this all played. Also, what uh, soccer
0: team plays two days in a row? The exact same team.
1: Mike, we're about to get added over yep. that for
0: <laughs> I sure. I up that Pandora's box. Yep, I, I want to nah. go back. I want to go back.
1: Yeah, change it. Please change it, let it. me no, go no. back. We won't, we won't change it. So he gets knocked out. He wakes up in the jungle. He's snakes. Hatch is gone. Finds the photo. I want to change it. I'll do uh, it again. Let me go
0: back again. Like that. That gives me so many feels. Like he's just begging because he's like, I know I can make things right this time. Like I had Penny in my grasp after I thought I lost her for three years, and I almost killed myself for her. I got to see her again. I know I can go back and do things. And he's just like begging, not begging in the way that like John Locke has done. In the past, in the, you know, uh, what, do you, what do you want me to do way, ironically, where Desmond meets John Locke in a manner of speaking, but more so just like crying out to whatever powers that be had him flash in the first time of like, please let me do this again. It's almost like yeah. the, the opposite of Scrooge. Actually, it is Scrooge. Take me back. Oh, spirits.
1: Yeah, but he's, you know, he's, I, he's stuck in this loop. This happens. This has to happen. This is constantly happening. Uh, this is, you know, this is something that is, that is, uh, a, a fixture in Desmond's life and a huge part of why he's here. And I think that's a great part of the tragedy of the character is, uh, he's somebody who thinks he's not an honorable dude and he is somebody who is constantly choosing, um, a greater good than his own personal enjoyment I, this is something that he's going to do a few times throughout the series uh he's he's very much a heroic character so when charlie has called him a coward yeah it's understandably triggering uh which yeah. is why he's beating the snot out of charlie as we come back to that but well, before that though up.
0: i will say we get a pretty awkward not on the level of like the end of the 48 days but actually like verging kind of close where like I I find this a bit unnecessary that we have to then do the montage of all the Desmond flashes of the lightning rod and everything. Just because I feel like you either put that in the previously on or you put that here. Don't do both. Uh, I feel like if they had just cut directly from that to Desmond choking Charlie, it would have been fine.
1: Doesn't bother me that much, but I, I, I totally get it. I think like at this point, though... Like now they're confirming that like yeah he's he's very special on all of this it wasn't just some weird fever dream, this was all something that happened to Desmond that he is you know he's unstuck in time to a certain degree, yeah, and, um, and, and
0: so his violence immediately turns heartbreaking when we when we flash to the present, where Desmond then just starts breaking down, uh taking his hands off of Charlie's neck and just muttering, "You can't change it, and it's clear he is yeah. just so morose at this point because he feels utterly. Hopeless with the the path that he has been given, as Eloise said, you might not like it, but you have to take it.
1: Uh, all right, so let's finish up the episode because this is about things you can't change. And one of the things I love about this episode is it's such an emotional mind f. Um, but it ends with a a really scary cliffhanger. Certainly at the time, we were like, oh what? So let's let's play that whole scenario
2: out to close this out. You're a good man, Tommy. So I'm, I'm sorry I tried this friendly out, eh? Oh, Here we go. Oh. Oh. Sorry I called you a coward. Are you Paul? Desmond. You are gonna tell me what happened to you. Turned that key. My life flashed before my eyes. And then I was back in the jungle. I'm still on this bloody island. But those flashes, Charlie. Those flashes, they didn't stop. So You tell me you saw a flash of Claire drowning this morning. That's how you knew how to save her. I wasn't saving Claire, Charlie. I was saving you. This morning, you dove in after Claire. You tried to save her, but... What are you talking about? I didn't drown? When I saw the lightning hit the roof, you were electrocuted. And when you heard Claire was in the water, you you drowned trying to save her. I dove in myself, so you never went in. I've, I've tried, brother. I've tried twice to save you, but universe has a way of course correcting and i can't stop it forever
3: i'm sorry i'm sorry
2: because no matter what i try to do you're gonna
1: die charlie Yeah, wild. That's wild. Okay, uh, iconic line. You're gonna die, Charlie. Uh, and and so I mentioned this
0: previously on the last episode, but people who didn't follow Lost at the time. So this season, we were told you know a major character is going to die, and we're not just talking like the Taylees of it all. And outside of that, that really hadn't happened since you know Shannon. Uh, I guess to a lesser extent, but really Boone. I think was the last time we had like a really weighty impactful death. No offense to Shannon. And so I know I was thinking at the time due to all the stuff that Desmond was doing and the way he was sort of talking. I thought it was going to be Claire, right? Because it was Claire whose shelter was being protected by the lightning. It was Claire who was saved from drowning. And so it's almost like a swerve to know that Desmond's tried to save a character from dying. And then another swerve on top of that, when you find out it wasn't Claire, it's Charlie and Charlie Pace has officially been given the black spot
1: yeah he's been marked uh and so it's like we're now at this point where uh we'll, we'll we'll get to it you know many weeks from now not not a terribly long time from now but some weeks from now um that we are in the 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 final act of one charlie pace uh and probably even though it's you know horrible for the character it's also sort of like the best thing that could have happened to the character yeah
0: well especially i mean just look at the behavior from this episode where even when charlie brings desmond back to his shelter he's still like yeah you know it's okay that you choked me like i was being kind of an asshole but also you're gonna tell me what happened like she's still playing hardball with him and desmond gives it to him straight or or as straight as he can and i god desmond is so guilt ridden here specifically that line i can't stop it forever like now you can imagine just the mental algebra that he's been doing this entire time where he essentially has not only been like doing his stuff but also now having to like babysit charlie to essentially make sure he doesn't walk over a cliff or like eat the wrong berries or something he's been trying to delay the inevitable and it clearly has been weighing on him which is why he wails on charlie so much when the guy he's trying to protect calls him a coward
1: Um, the ending of this episode is just so exciting. Uh, it's dreadful. Um, I think, you know, so we've had, we had multiple people ask us the question of which episode is better flashes before your eyes or the constant. And I think the popular conventional wisdom is the constant. Um, you know, the constant is the episode that is often cited as the best episode of lost. Um, I don't, I don't really know that there's much we can do to settle that one way or the other. (laughs) Not, Uh, not until
0: we've seen the constant, I think.
1: yeah, and even when we do, we're going to have been so removed from Flashes Before Your Eyes at that point that, you know, it'll it'll be hard to say. They're both going to get perfect scores from both of us. Mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty clear. Um, I would say, even though I, I love the ending of the constant of uh, going to Faraday's notebook, and if anything goes wrong, Desmond will be my constant, is a really like spooky final note to end on. Um, the, no matter what I do, Charlie, you're going to die has such a, a dangerous quality to it and a sense of urgency behind it because everything else that you've just seen from the events surrounding Desmond in this episode strongly suggests that, yeah, the rules dictate that Charlie Pace yeah. is probably gonna die. So there's just like there is this um the constant uh is is very likely the better episode of Lost. I would say I would say the concept is the better episode yeah, of Lost. I think,
0: I, think, I think the concept essentially takes a lot of the emotionality and cool stuff that can that's contained yes. in Flash before your eyes and yes. combines like the action element with the freighter of it all and this also yes. new aspect of flashing back and
1: forth. Yes, yes. But I think that the ending of Flashes Before Your Eyes is uh I would say, like, if you were, if the constant ended with the Desmond and Penny phone call, that would be the better ending for sure. But there right. is another scene that happens after that. It's the Faraday on the beach looking at the at yeah. The, the, the
0: Desmond Hume is your constant, and I would also say that I think no matter with if, if you if it ends with the Penny Desmond conversation anyway, this is by far the moment, the more impactful ending because this is now signed a death warrant impending for a character not only that a character who was one of like the first three people to go yes. on the first ever a yes. mission of yes. the show this is a major major facet of the show even if people did not necessarily like him being a part of season two and this is a huge piece of news this is not some tailey or some dislike character like your nikki and Paolo that is going to go the way of the dodo this is charlie pace and this this is going to be a big deal to the
1: point where like and they're is- gonna do it yeah this is gonna be Charlie's storyline the rest of the rest this, of the season. It's not an empty threat, you know. The uh, the Grim Reaper's coming, and he's yeah, got like, a he's got a cricket bat.
0: They sw- <laughs> you know, he missed the bat in season one when he was hung by Ethan uh, in the tree, but now he does not miss.
1: Yeah, so uh, really, really great. And, Again, and, this-
0: and I will say the the really quick the the thing that I also love upon love on about this is the last shot is on Desmond. We don't go back to Charlie for his reaction. And they definitely could have done, like, the stunned zoom into Charlie's face as we cut to Lost. But I love that we cut that out because it just, again, adds to the mystery. Like, it leaves us in the lurch of that moment to be like, it really makes you say what the hell's going to happen
1: next. Well, yeah, because, like, there is another element of the horror to this is that, once again, Desmond is being tasked With this impossible repetitive task, except instead of having to push a button every 108 minutes, he's having to save a man's life from grisly future murders every however many, (laughs) you know, minutes or days he's doing it. Um, so once again, Desmond is back on a job. And I guess the good news is he's not like stuck in, you know, like a, like a bomb shelter or whatever, having to just push a button and hearing the beeping, but this is not fun. You know, no, he's not making I, I, good money doing the Charlie protection I, thing. It, it is a sort of a weird
0: would you rather I, I wish I had asked this to Robin and Kiva last week when they had them on, like, would you rather have the fate of a bunch of people you don't know in your hand or the fate of like one person you really do know in your hands? Like does the personal association make it that much harder for Desmond as to like, hey, if you if you end up not pushing the button, a bunch of people a bunch of people will die, but it's nobody that you really know from like an emotional basis.
1: Yeah. So, um yeah, it a great episode. Uh again, just to do this a little bit out of order, uh we could just do the get the rankings out of the way. It's the best of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. to, it's a 4.2 for me, 4.2 for Mike. It's a 4.1 from the audience. That's a very high score. Uh, it's a 4.16 and I'll be curious to see, um, how it compares to some of the other episodes this season? I expect it'll it'll obviously be very high, but I think that that's one of the, these things about season three. Mike is yeah, there's some of like these episodes that are sort of you know sagging towards the bottom. We're gonna get to one next yeah, week. We'll, like... get, we'll get to arguably the worst episode of Lost next week. Um, but there's gonna be episodes like The Man from Tallahassee or yeah. The Brig or The Man Behind the Curtain, and of course through the Looking Glass. But also greatest hits. There are some episodes this season that are transcendent. Good flashes before your eyes is absolutely one of them, and a very, uh, very comfortable current number one of season three, and very close uh, to you know the top spot overall so far, which is uh, pretty wild.
0: Yeah, I mean it's going to be a roller coaster because we're going to plummet to the bottom with Stranger in a Strange Land. Trisha Tanaka, which is one of those episodes that you and I have talked about many times, but I think is going to score some pretty high marks. Enter 7-7 and Par Avion might like middle out a bit. Then we get Man from Tallahassee, then Exposé, Exposé, which certainly has thoughts. So like we're definitely in for a couple of other clunkers to middling episodes, but I think Flashes Flash Before Your Eyes as much as I love, you know, cost of living and Tale of Two Cities, this was the first episode, at least in season three, if not again, as I mentioned, six and since Exodus, where I just sort of like said wow in response to the show because it was something so audaciously done to break so much format right in the middle of the middle of their run that yeah. they were able to do it so so well as well. It was a tightrope act and they they crossed. Pretty darn seamlessly, you know, save a couple of things. But that being said, it wasn't enough to warrant a 4.1 for me. Just it, it is a perfect episode of Lost and what it's able to do and be so unique, even from another episode like The Constant that echoes it in a different way, just sets it apart from the rest
1: uh let's do mvp lvps before we close out here. uh very easy to give desmond an mvp point this week yeah let's double up on
0: desi here
1: all right so two for desmond uh i'll give one to eloise hawking as well
0: yeah i'll give another one to her. much like richard albert last week i think it's we're two for two so far and like fantastic debuts for big characters really in really season great three.
1: yeah and i gotta give one to penny because penny's just awesome
0: yeah Penny penny's great like again she really did nothing wrong in this episode she just like fell victim
1: to circumstance uh uh, lvp wise you've got three to to hand out Um, and uh
0: two are going to charles winmore say what you
1: want to about why he's doing it but he is a dick yep for sure and i i agree completely so uh have to give one to to as well so he's getting three total this week
0: yeah, which is, uh, you know, starting to put him down that these are going to be his first points in season three. I can't remember how many we gave him during Live Together Dialogue. Just
1: one, just one. OK, negative. so yeah. so he's
0: slowly, you know, starting down that precipice. He's going to it's going to take him a long time to get down to the Anthony Coopers and Pickett's We've got him the on the
1: show in and out of the show for a very long time. So, you know, I, I expect he'll plummet
0: yeah uh who are you and you give you said you before you're
1: giving your red shoes dude red Red shoes shoes, dude yeah Uh, he dies he dies it's been a while since you know if it really
0: was the wizard of oz eloise would have taken uh the red shoes and given them to desmond and desmond would have gone off skipping down the road (laughs) yeah
1: true 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 true
0: all right and i got added about this specifically saying don't give charlie an lvp point because like ethan he's an a-hole but he gets what he wants I'm still giving him an LVP point here. (laughs) He acts like an a-hole in this episode. And look, we're getting a lot of redemption for Charlie from this point moving forward. But I don't think I want to necessarily use that to discredit the way he was really needling Desmond over the course of this episode before Desmond finally gave him what he wanted
1: yeah where is it? charlie is still really languishing huh uh, well yeah charlie charlie overall.
0: charlie has only gotten negative points so far because i think we docked him one for further instructions as well for surprise surprise being kind of an asshole yeah uh, so he's definitely still he's falling further into the negatives at this point i know we talked to some point about like will charlie get to at least zero and that prospect's looking thinner and thinner. Looking, as grim. <laughs> yeah. looking
1: grim. that's the tension we'll see we'll see Uh, So, yeah, Desmond is now uh, our third place uh, for season three. Juliet's still in the lead with eight, then Sawyer with five and Desmond with four. Um and Widmore is now in a uh, two-way second place for LVP with Mr. Paik. That makes uh, a lot
0: of sense, considering, again, the sim- And that's the the interesting thing about that Widmore and Desmond scene as well, is because we think we're going down that path, right? Where Widmore's like, yeah, I'm going to bring you into my company in a low-level role, much like Paik did with Jin to sort of keep control over him. And then we take it in a, in a completely different direction. It again shows, like you said before, like how we can take the skeletons of a lot of different character arcs on Lost, but fill them with completely different organs and make completely different bodies out of them.
1: Um, next week, Mike, Stranger in a Strange Land, and we've been, uh, it's been requested, can we only give out LVPs next week? Sorry, that's not the game. Uh, we got to play within the rules. Uh, we've broken enough rules as we've gone along here on Down the Hatch. I think we'll play this one straight. But we're up to the Jack's Tattoos episode, Mike Bloom. It's happening.
0: Oh boy, here we go. And it's tough because, like, you're like, well, Jack, finding out the origin of Jack's tattoos, at least we can find solace in what happens on the island. Uh, you know, we we have uh some other the the sheriff, we have Isabel coming in, Juliet getting branded. There's not a lot of light to look forward to, which it, which sucks, uh, you know, especially at following this episode. I know that you have made the case before as to the necessity
1: of this I mean, episode. The, the function of the episode. Right. Um, it, but I, I as we as we get closer to it, like the feeling is like, yeah, this will be the lowest rated episode of the rewatch for sure so far. Uh, and, pro- well, and probably moving
0: forward as well, because I think the other yeah, think other so. contender would be across the state, which I think you and I similarly like find utility in.
1: Well, yeah, and I find utility in this as well, but it doesn't like pay off in a in a in an urgent way. And I also think that like. We've got a fix for Across the Sea. Like, we're going to watch that one out of order when we mm-hmm. get to it. Um, so that might be unfair to the episode. That might be unfair to the experience. <laughs> there's no,
0: per- there's no play- place you could put a cr- uh, you know, a stranger in a strange land except in the trash. That would make sense. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to have a lot of personal resonance because I am sitting here a freshly tattooed man yes. myself. Uh, so I find myself connecting with Jack Shepard now more than ever. Of course, my characters are in English, not in Chinese or uh, in, in Thai. But we're we're gonna get into it all—tattoos on both uh, real people and fictional—next week.
1: I'm really excited to get into the origin story of Mike Bloom's tattoos next week because certainly, uh, Robus podcast fans. Uh, and listeners are well aware of the story behind Mike's tattoos. Uh, but ironically maybe, enough
0: it also involves biling, I believe. I-
1: you know, maybe maybe down the hatch listeners a little bit less. So we'll get into that next week for sure. Stranger in a strange land, Mike, coming up next down the hatch recaps dot com with your ratings. Uh we already have a zero.
3: <laughs>
1: we've got, we've got, <laughs> so we've listen, got, that's <laughs> the
0: bar. That's the got, bar. Don't got, feel uh, ashamed.
1: We've got one zero I see you, Ben, behind the curtain. <laughs> and
0: it's of all people,
1: <laughs> so you know there's just no escaping it. This is going to be uh, anchoring us at the at the very bottom. Uh, we'll get into it next week. I'm sure we'll have a really fun podcast.
0: It's gonna be it's gonna be a great time, and I think you know this conversation also netted a lot of theories and discussions as to how time travel works in this universe as josh said before it really is your mileage may vary so we want to hear from you all as to especially because i don't know if you all everybody want to talk about stranger in a strange land if you prefer to have your email talk about your thoughts on time travel in general and how it exists within the the world of lost please do because this is a fun Topic, as just said before, like it's convoluted and it's complicated, but it's so much fun to pick brains over this, and I want to continue that brain picking because
1: time travel is not going to be gone from the show for a long, long time. Not at all. All right, we'll be back next week, everybody. Jack's tattoos coming up next here on Down the Hatch. Take care. Bye bye.
3: Watch.